Welcome to the One Question Podcast, brought to you by Wabi Sabi Studios. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, and I love having unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. It's a huge passion of mine, so much so that I wrote a few books a while back that challenge people's notion on living a life more unconventionally. This entire podcast stems around one question. If there was one topic you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? I've got a different episode for you today. It is me in solo. And the reason is that I just attended an amazing conference in the US called South by Southwest. And I've been wanting to go to this conference for over 12 years and actually bought the tickets to it uh, over four years ago, so pre-COVID, and then, you know, have been waiting to be able to get there. So finally uh, got to attend. It was bloody amazing. And the number one thing that everyone kept saying is, what the heck is South by Southwest? I've never heard of it, et cetera. So I figured, well, it was such an incredible thing to attend that I would give you a bit of a synopsis, tell you about what I did, who I saw, and um, what were the key takeaways for me in case you're interested to attend yourself or um, you couldn't make it this year and want to know uh, who were the great speakers and what was it that I learned from this incredible event that I attended. So to start off, what is South by Southwest? Um, it's an most amazing conference you can possibly attend. It's held every year in Austin, Texas, and it brings together people from all over the world to explore the latest trends in music, film and technology. Now, it goes for about 10 or 12 days, but I only attended five. And trust me, that was enough. I was exhausted after that. <laughs> There's so much to do. But uh, I had the opportunity to immerse myself in the energy and innovation of the conference from engaging talks by industry leaders to cutting edge technology demonstrations. And trust me when I say that there was no shortage of things to see and do. And it was kind of a bit overwhelming, if I'm honest. So in this podcast, I'll share my thoughts and experiences on the highlights of the conference, the key takeaways and the things that made this year's South by Southwest stand out. So whether you're a seasoned attendee or simply curious about what happens in this renowned event, join me for an insightful and entertaining review of South by. So let's start with what's it all about. So founded in 1987 in Austin, Texas, South by Southwest, or abbreviated as SXSW and colloquially known as South by, is an annual conglomeration of more than 300,000 attendees ready to dive into the worlds of tech, film, music and beyond. So with more than 350 individual sessions and events held over 10 days in parallel across film, interactive media, music festivals and conferences, South By says that it dedicates itself to helping creative people achieve their goals. So as you can imagine, me and all the things I do, I've always been kind of desperate to go. So I guess... The other question I was asked by a number of people is why have I always wanted to go? I first heard about South by about 15 years ago from, um, you know, quite a number of other creative mates of mine that had been over the years and that had told me about how this event was such an epic thing to go to. And, you know, often for us in Australia where we feel a little bit away from all the kind of latest trends and texts and, you know, different things happening and launching, that's kind of always been where it's at. So, so many amazing thought leaders and entrepreneurs and, 
tech, digital and cool stuff that's been launched here over the years. So, um, yeah, so I've tried to go. The first time I had tickets was 12 years ago um, and then events happened and I couldn't attend. And then I literally bought these tickets four years ago before COVID. So you can imagine I was pretty wound up and bloody happy to be there. So I guess also, like, what did I hope to get out of it? For me, I guess I really wanted to challenge my thinking. I'm going through a little bit of a transition period at the moment. So it's great to have a think about what next and what else is out there. And I find that I really need to get out of my everyday space. And I know a few of you are saying, well, I don't really have an everyday. My life is quite different to many people as it is, but I like to shake it up and I love change. If you haven't noticed that. <laughs> and um, so this is a really good way to really take my thinking and challenge me in a whole new level. I wanted to learn new stuff. I wanted to see what the latest trends were in tech, especially. Um, There's a lot of stuff around podcasting, which of course I love. Um, Health, the whole area of health and, you know, tech in that space is just absolutely exploding at the moment. And of course, AI was just huge this year with the recent release of ChatGPT. And there were a number of sessions talking about that, which was really cool because I've been playing with that for the last few months. So it was good to sort of see how it's been applied and what people are doing in this space. It's always good to network. I love meeting interesting and new people, which I did in spades at this event. And the other thing was to really see some of my favorite speakers in real life, which was awesome. So you get a bit of a prelude to some of the people that are going to be keynote speaking, but a lot of it kind of happened in the weeks leading up. So even though I'd bought tickets so long ago, I just trusted in the fact that there were going to be amazing speakers and there were and there were quite a few I didn't even know were speaking there some like Esther Perel who I just adore I didn't even know she was there um and I stumbled across her session and then like you know ran and had to uh, get in a big line to get there so I was there for five days, uh, so basically half of the full conference time, but that's the major kind of section in the creative and tech conference tract. After that, the other tracks of um, music and film kind of really ramp up, so that was perfect for me. So what did I do? Who did I see? Well, honestly, it was a little overwhelming. Every day you had like an app, Um, the actually tech side and the app and things were amazing. You had to trawl through, you know, the sessions that were coming up. I did it sort of the night before and you'd see what was coming up the next day. And there were a lot, let me tell you. Um, There literally were like 100 different choices that you could do every day. And many of them were scattered around the city, which I didn't really appreciate until I got there. The main venue was the Austin Convention Centre. And we were lucky enough to be staying in a hotel, you know, only about three minutes walk from that. So I knew that was one of the things to do because so many people have told me that it was worth paying the, uh, may I say, eye-watering extra dollars to stay close. But because everything was just literally all over the city and you had to be super organised, which was a bit tricky. So I'd pick out all the things that I wanted to do and then I quickly realised that some were literally miles walk away. And by the time I got there, then the queue was too big and, you know, and then I missed out going to the session. It was a whole bloody waste of time. So talking of queues, um, far out. If you don't like crowds or queuing, then this is not the event for you. Let me tell you, we queued for everything. (laughs) One of the days in Starbucks. Do not judge me because I was desperate for coffee and Starbucks was the only bloody place that was closed. And um, I waited for like 35 minutes to get a coffee and they had an online sort of, you know, you could download and order through the app. But of course, it was an app store in the US and I wasn't allowed to have it on my phone. So anyway, that's a shit show. But you literally queued for everything. So 
I learned after the first day, which, you know, I was pretty overwhelmed in the first day. I was like, holy shit, I don't know how to tackle this, what to do. And, you know, a few of my mates had been there. There's a couple of us that were newbies and a few were um, old hat. And I'd spoken to a few other friends that had been before I left and they sort of given me some advice. But the first day was a bit overwhelming and my mate Kirsty and I, we skived off at 4pm to go networking and to the welcome parties because we just had such a bad result getting into the key things we wanted to that day. So then we're like, okay, we need a better strategy. So then, um, yeah, we kind of focused on what to do. I did a, a bit of a list. I would star a number of sessions in the different time slots, then work out where they were, then kind of decide, okay, which one would I absolutely want to go to? And then I would like make sure I was kind of queuing for that or go to the session before and just stay in the room. So that kind of worked. But yeah, it's pretty full on, got to say. So what I thought I'd do is give you a bit of a rundown of who I saw and a bit of info on them for context in case you don't know who they are. And then just a little bit about what they talked about and what I got out of it. And, you know, kicking off with some awesome women that I have wanted to see for, you know, so many years. This, as I mentioned, I was surprised. I didn't even know she was there, but the formidable Esther Perel. And so for those who haven't heard of her, Esther Perel is a renowned psychotherapist. She's an author, speaker, and she's gained worldwide recognition for her innovative work on modern relationships, sexuality and intimacy. She's born in Belgium, so speaks multiple languages, and she's a professor of psychology. And her best-selling book, Mating in Captivity, has been translated into 26 languages and has earned her a reputation as one of the most foremost experts on the complexities of modern relationships. It's a really interesting read. I actually read this book about 15 years ago and found her views on, you know, like relationships, marriage, divorce, um, you know, so incredibly unique to anything I'd heard or read before. And yeah, it was a wonderful insight. So Esther did a keynote. It was titled The Other AI, which is the rise of artificial intimacy and what it means for us. And um, she really kind of broke that down and, you know, talked about how there'd been a chatbot that had been created of her, essentially. This guy had said, well, I can't get any, you know, one-to-one time with Esther, so I'm going to create a chatbot. And he fed a number, you know, there's so much, it's the thing about ChatGPT, right? There's a lot of information about you out there, then these are the types of things you can do. So this guy fed a ton of info into the bot, like her previous podcasts, snippets from her um, books and things. So, you know, the chat started to gain a bit of a, a voice and could understand what she's like and, and how it works. And then he created this chat bot where you could ask Esther AI um, different questions on relationships and challenges that you were going through, etc. So she really challenged that notion and she said, I used the bot. It was quite good. It's pretty basic on stuff, but actually there were a number of questions that really did sound like me. But then she said, you know, that it's the nuance that it's missing. And I think that's a key point about ChatGPT in everything I've been using it with. It's those kind of, you know, that last sort of five percenters that a bot can't ever replicate a human in that regard, you know, or at least at this point. It's the nuance around personality or their creativeness or, you know, she gave a, a number of examples. She sort of put up some clients that she had in terms of problems that she'd assisted them with. And she's like, you know, this is what the bot answered in terms of how they would solve that, which is a practical solution, but not absolutely right for their particular case. So yeah, really interesting um, session. And the thing that I love the most though, so it was about an hour long, is at the end she did a Q&A 
So she did that for about 20 minutes where people could come up to the mic and just ask random questions. So she took five questions at a time and she said, right, hit me. So she, you know, they just said the question. She wrote them all down. And then she uh, spoke to them all in one hit and answered them. And she, it, just to see her in flight like that was so beautiful. And yeah, as I say, I listened to a lot of her podcasts. I've read a lot of her books. And um, yeah, she's an amazing human. So yeah, um, check her out if you don't know who she is. But that was Esther Perel. The next session was another, and these aren't in order that I did them, but just ones that made um, the most impression on me. Another incredible thinker that I've been following for a very long time is Tim Ferriss, and he's actually a native Austin, so I did expect, I knew he was going to be there. Um, the other native Texan was Brene Brown, which I would have died to have and see her live. But anyway, unfortunately, she wasn't there this year. She has been to a number of South Bys, but not this year. Anyway, back to Tim. If you're unaware who Tim Ferriss is, he's a multi-talented entrepreneur. He's an investor, an author, and um, his key knack is breaking down complex topics into manageable, actionable steps, which is why I've always liked his style and approach to things. It absolutely resonates with me about, you know, being a life hacker, I guess, trying to do things a bit differently. He's been listed as one of Fast Company's most innovative business people and one of Fortune 40s under 40. He is an early stage tech investor and advisor. So this guy has an ability to see things, you know, earlier and the potential and stuff a little bit earlier than others. So he's an early investor in Uber, Facebook, Shopify, Duolingo, Alibaba, and 50 other companies. So this is a brainiac at work and uh, it was divine to see him in real life. Um, he's the author of five number one New York and Wall Street Journal bestsellers, including The 4-Hour Workweek. That's his biggest one, if you've ever heard of that. Tools of Titans, um, The Tactics, Routines and Habits of Billionaires, another great book. Um, check him out if you don't know who he is. He has an amazing podcast and he's been called the Oprah of audio due to the influence of the Tim Ferriss Show podcast, which it was the first ever business or interview podcast to exceed 100 million downloads. But fascinatingly today, and they announced it on the stage, it has now exceeded 900 million downloads. So, And I'm many of those because I've listened to those for years. And again, he's um, interesting, really interesting guy. But if you're a podcast listener and you haven't heard him before, just go through some of the stuff. Like he, he interviews some fascinating people, but he asks some really fascinating questions. So um, yeah, but this time the tables were turned on him. Uh, he interviewed a guy called Bill Gurley a couple of months ago on his podcast and the tables were turned. So Bill came on stage and interviewed him, which was really interesting. Bill is listed consistently on the Forbes Midas list and is considered one of technology's top deal makers. So really interesting guy to interview Tim. Bill has spent over 20 years as a general partner at Benchmark before entering the venture capital business. And he spent four years on Wall Street as a top-ranked research analyst. So really interesting guy. Their session was titled Turning the Tables. They talked about, you know, a number of different topics, things like the investing, you know, Tim's sort of early stage stuff, what he picks, what he looks at, why he chooses the companies to invest in that he does. Um, they talked about the podcasting, you know, how Tim got it to where it is, that 900 million downloads, what he did differently. I mean, the fact that he only has about three staff that help him with his empire, which again is really interesting. And so he talked a lot about how he does stuff every day, which I found fabulous. It was really cool. His book writing, getting book deals, what he did in those early days of getting publicity, 
and some of his key kind of marketing strategies and yeah, what he does like then and now. So really cool interview, loved it. Yeah, really worthwhile. The next session that I did, I hadn't actually heard of this gentleman before. I've heard of uh, his company, which is World Central Kitchen, but I hadn't really heard or known much about um, Jose. So it was really moving and quite a few tears were shed, I've got to say. Chef Jose Andreas and his topic was the stories we tell can change the world. So he's a chef and humanitarian and founded WCK, World Central Kitchen, with a simple belief that a plate of food is more than a meal. It's hope and comfort in times of crisis. Since its founding in 2010, WCK has provided more than 250 million nourishing meals in response to disasters around the world. Most recently, the wildfires in Chile, the earthquakes in Turkey and the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Their approach to emergency response is kind of rooted in listening to the needs of the community. And that's kind of he talked about how that's a real key point of difference for them. And Jose talked about when the organisation is in a community facing unthinkable tragedy, that they often hear stories that show the best of humanity. And he talked a lot of those, like I said, was really moving. And um, he's an amazing human, I've got to say. Again, look him up. Um, You can actually volunteer and work for the organisation. I was talking to my stepson, Ev, who's currently in the US, and he knows a few people that have actually worked for WCK. And, yeah, so it was really cool to sort of connect about that as well. But Jose, um, you know, he talked about the responsibility that comes with the privilege and power of storytelling and the ability to move people to act. No matter what the platform is, that we all have the power to uplift voices to help build shared understanding. So you know, something so desperately needed in our world today. He said a lot of things that really hit my heart, but one of them was a quote that he said around, let's remember who feeds the world. They're all being fed by women. Women are at the heart of feeding the world, which was just beautiful. And again, he gave a number of examples of amazing women, you know, in different countries where they couldn't converse in their tongue, but they converse through food and you know, made a difference in the community. So very cool session, loved it. Really wonderful surprise. I queued early for the next session as I was desperate not to miss out on this one. Dr. Deepak Chopra is such an inspiration and uh, he was on a panel and it was titled Open Minds, Innovations in Consciousness, Psychedelics and Mental Health, which sounded fascinating. And For any of those in Australia listening, I don't know if you've seen recently that, you know, psychedelic work or work in the psychedelic field um, has just changed from um, allowing psychedelics to be used under, you know, medical support and uh, instruction for things like PTSD. And there's so much um, research in this space. I've been following this for years. So, yeah, this was really cool, like to have an amazing topic and an awesome human talking about it. But Surely you've heard of Dr. Deepak Chopra, but just in case, um, he's a renowned author, speaker and alternative medicine advocate. He was born in India in 1946 and he's a medical doctor who's dedicated his career to exploring the you know, mind-body connection and promoting more holistic health practices. He has written over 90 books, including the best-selling The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success and Ageless Body, Timeless Mind. He's been featured on numerous television shows and documentaries. Um, he's also the founder of the Chopra Foundation, a not-for-profit organisation dedicated to promoting health and well-being through research, education and community outreach. And 
the actual head of that, the lady who runs that organisation, was on the panel as well and she was amazing, really awesome chick. You know, like he has such innovative and ideas and practices and he's become a real prominent figure in the field of integrative medicine. So I've been following him for years, obviously, with my kind of journey. In terms of the session, a bit of background, they sort of said about psychedelic-based therapies continue to influence that kind of evolving landscape of mental health. As I said, I've read a lot of literature around this space and how, um, like especially microdosing with um, different mushrooms and stuff and how that's getting through um, to people with, you know, severe PTSD and stuff. So he kind of touched a bit on that. And, yeah, and Dr Chopra explores the need for humanity to focus on the internal work that's required to heal. Um, the panel was really chosen. There's an upcoming miniseries called Open Minds that will be, I think it's coming out on Netflix actually. So, And it's really around exploring the current medical innovations that um, have the potential to treat mental conditions with breakthrough therapies. So uh, the session was fascinating. You know, so many interesting things raised and elements that the panels are working on. A real key element was around trauma, generational trauma, how that embeds into your being and your little body tissues. And Dr. Chopra talked a lot about that. And he's just fascinating to hear and listen to. Again, you Google him, there are so many interviews with him, so you can find lots of sort of stuff that might um, pique your interest. But And the most beautiful thing is he actually did a meditation with all, you know, two and a half thousand of us in the room at that time, um, which was really super cool. So that was fun. Next up, the pace was a bit different. Uh, this was the CEO of Patagonia, Ryan Gallat, and he was in conversation with a journalist, Katie Kool-Aid. And if you don't know, I'm sure you know about Patagonia, amazing company, but Ryan Gallat, I didn't know much about him. He's been the CEO for a while. Prior to that, he you know, spent six years as Patagonia's general manager of Europe, so he's been in the organisation for a fair bit and um, was 15 years before that in Black Diamond Equipment. So he's been in that kind of adventure uh, space for, you know, equipment space for quite a while. He's a super smart guy. Um, His topic was around how, you know, Earth is now our only shareholder. And one of the key things that if you have been following Patagonia for the last, you know, year or so, the uh, founder, Yvonne Chouinard, He's an eccentric rock climber, basically, who became a reluctant billionaire and um, with his, you know, unconventional spin on capitalism. And he essentially gave the company away a few months ago. Rather than selling the company or taking it public, uh, him and his wife and two adult children have transferred their ownership of Patagonia, valued at about $3 billion, to a specifically designed trust and a not-for-profit organisation, which is just phenomenal. I mean, they've always done some really edgy, interesting stuff, this company, and that's why I've followed them for years. You know, just fascinating that they can balance that whole making money and running a good business, but also doing good for the world. And they are a massive believer in that regard. So, they created this not-for-profit to preserve the company's independence and to ensure that all of its profits, which are coming to about $100 million a year, that are used to combat climate change and protect undeveloped land around the globe. So really interesting conversation. He talked about the challenges as a CEO having to navigate that and with a quite an eccentric founder, which I loved, like his um, examples and things. And he talked about how, you know, running a business these days, how tough it is and to be profitable and to not be shy about making commercial realities on stuff, but also 
ensuring that you can do both. You can run a good business, make profit and do the right thing, you know, by your communities, the environment, the, you know, global everything. So, um, yeah, really good chat. He's a really interesting guy. So um, that was fun. As well as Tim Ferriss's podcast, one that I listen to almost religiously every week is called Pivot, and that's with Kara Schwisser and Scott Galloway. So it's my go-to for what's happening globally in tech, the leaders of top organisations, and basically scuttlebutt on any shit that's going down in the tech world. <laughs> These two do not hold back, and uh, the um, dynamic between them both is really interesting. Scott is a professor who just astounds me given the way he talks, and he's a bit outrageous, but... Um, Scott wasn't there at this event, but Cara interviewed one of Instagram's uh, original founders, Kevin Systrom, in true brutal KS style, and I was totally down for it, I've got to say. So for background, um, considered the top reporter in the tech game, Cara Schwister is, she's been reporting on the industry since like the 1990s. She's a host of On with Cara Schwisser. It's another podcast she does, co-host with Pivot. And she's also editor-at-large of New York Magazine. So among many other things, she's a super whip-smart and um, pretty feisty chick. <laughs> so she's great. Instagram co-founder Kevin Systrom has just launched a text-based news app to rival Twitter and tackle misinformation. So it's called Artifact. And, you know, the conversation was largely stemmed around this newest endeavour. Uh, She really tackled him about the sale of Instagram, about what's going on. I was there literally at South By when, you know, the Silicon Valley Bank went under on the Friday. Um, So that was a massive topic, you can imagine. So this session, I think, was on Sunday and um, the government hadn't announced what was happening that came out on the Monday. So this was a massive topic. And, yeah, it was really interesting to be there when that was all unfolding and how it was all kind of going and um, Kevin talked about the fact that he had basically 100% of his money in that bank which he's a very wealthy man so that was a bit yeah interesting but anyway all is good so yeah great chat Uh, he's a really interesting guy super smart and um, I have started uh, using Artifact actually he's a really interesting news aggregator so um, yeah we'll uh, see how that goes. Uh, The final call out I'll do for a session um, was called Beyond Podcasting and this is Ashley Flowers if you know her She's kind of redefined that true crime storytelling. If you're into true crime podcasts, then um, you'd probably know who she is. This session was not a kind of who done it, but how done it. Um, you know, how do you turn one show into a network? How do you build a network? How do you become New York Times, you know, number one author in your debut not debut novel and stuff? So, really interesting, really interesting. Um, great chick, you know, fascinating. She's a founder of AudioChark, which is an award-winning media and podcast production company. And, um, yeah, she really just broke down what she'd done. Real down-to-earth woman, super smart and, um, you know, has done a, a number of really cool things. So that was great. She's best known as a creator and host of Crime Junkie, if you follow that podcast. In last year, it was in 22, it was the number one ranked podcast globally, which is not a mean feat. And given the audience that was at South By, she was in some um, pretty uh, tough audience. So interesting woman. That was fun. I attended so many other talks, but I'm conscious that this podcast is going a while already. So I'll just give you the topics of those, which gives you a bit of a feel of the other sort of stuff that was on show. So um, I did a session on Embrace the Change, which is flipping the script on ageing. Eva Longoria was there. She directed a film called Flaming Hot, which was screening as part of the South By Film Festival, and that was launched and she was on stage talking about her process to, you know, become from an actor to a director. She's a really interesting lady. 
Uh, another one was chatbots say artificial intelligence could transform healthcare. They had a panel and the fifth panel member was ChatGPT. So they were kind of, the moderator was asking the panel and asking ChatGPT the question. So it was really interesting to see how that played out. Another one was Eat, You'll Feel Better. This was around food and emotional well-being. Another session on how to think and lead in ways that AI can't, which was great. Kind of shake that up. I saw Nick Jonas. Um, he did a panel session on crushing the burden of diabetes on patients. And I'd been wearing a glucose, like continuous glucose monitor to track my blood sugar. I've been, um, yeah, just watching that it's been really interesting to see how that works it was interesting to you know listen to their um, views on this and what's happening in that space especially for those with diabetes there was another session on um, the new consumers redefining travel which of course my background was really interesting Tilda Swinton she stars in a new film called Problemista and again was screening as part of the film and tv festival so she was on stage fascinating human she's amazing god 63 holy shit the woman looks like 25 the most flawless skin something about uh, a case for not having any sunshine in your life um, yeah, she was really interesting the future of entertainment and immersive experiences so ted shilowich who is paramount pictures head of uh, futures and creativeness and stuff so he was fascinating to listen to uh, surprising Secrets of Successful Unicorns was another really good session. And the final session on day five I went to was called The Future of Sex, which was with uh, Bryony Cole and Maker Steinerbach. This talk really dived into how they support, partner and get businesses ready for early stage ventures at the interse- intersection of sex, technology and well-being. And Bryony Cole is actually an Australian uh, woman who lives in New York and she was awesome, just really cool to listen to her view on the world and, um, yeah, in such a really interesting, different topic. There were a couple of sessions I couldn't get into. Either the line was too big or it clashed with another session I wanted to see. So I did watch these on the South by TV app, which is also included in part of your ticket price. But not all presentations are on there, but quite a few of the big ones were, which was awesome. And two of those key ones that I loved were um, Amy Webb, who um, was launching the 2023 Emerging Tech Trend Report, which was very cool. And another one, which was with John Maeda from, he's a VP of Design and Artificial Intelligence at Microsoft, and he did a keynote on design in tech report as well for 2023. So that was really cool. Good to um, add-ons and nice to know that you could watch them afterwards. Networking. And then I attended a few networking events, of course, when you go to a conference, other things you've got to do. The main one being at Australia House, which was really cool. Um, it was located at the heart of, you know, the action at this kind of rainy street, which is where all the different houses are. And it was an all-encompassing Australian experience, which made me very proud to see that and how everyone was just embracing that and loving it. And so many visitors came through. The event was chockers. Um, the team at Tourism Australia did so well. It was, um, yeah, a really cool event and um, it was really fun. And the first night I went to a comedy session that basically bagged out all of the titles of the sessions coming up, which was hilarious. Yeah, so lots of things to do. I didn't get to any of the movie premieres. A couple of the other mates I went with did. There's so many other things, ton of activations. I went to Porsche House. I saw, you know, some cool bands and stuff as well. And you know, the free alcohol ever was just ridiculous, like, you know, free food, free, you know, all that type of stuff. So it was a lot of fun. So uh, my verdict, is it worth it? Would I go again? I guess the short answer is a resounding yes to both. Uh, the only caveat that I'd put on it is that it's bloody expensive for those of us that live far away from Austin. 
the cost of travel at the moment and our gruesome exchange rate meant that it cost way more than I expected to. And that probably discounts me from attending it every year, which is disappointing because every session and every year would be incredibly different, I know. So, um, yeah, if you live nearby, if you live in the States and you're listening to this and you've never been bloody get there and go next year, it's definitely worth, you know, challenging your notion on stuff. And, you know, relatively inexpensive. I think the starting tickets were about a thousand bucks or something for a five-day conference is pretty good. Just all the other add-ons that we have to have that, um, you know, obviously flights and a calm and stuff was pretty exy. So um, in US dollars. So yeah, that was um, something to consider, but it was epic. I was absolutely stoked with what I saw, what I did. It exceeded my expectations. And um, yeah, I guess, you know, given 300,000 people attend, it's probably um, gives you an indication. For those that are in Australia, they are actually running um, the first ever South by out of Austin, uh, the first time at the end of this year in Sydney of all places. So I think it's in September, October. And there's a couple of people that I know. So Amy Webb, that one I talked about with the insights that her um, session was chocker. She's coming, I know for sure. So she'd be fascinating. I don't know who else is coming at this stage, but definitely worth your while to have a look at that if you're interested. And it might be a bit of a, you know, stepping stone to getting to Austin in the years to come. It was fabulous. I hope you've enjoyed that uh, little bit of a rundown, something a bit different for you this week. And um, yeah, I uh, just had such an amazing time and so good. Now I've got to kind of let that kind of all resolve and work out what I can do with that information. You know, where does that lead for me to next? You know, how do I kind of process that and bring it into my life and all those things, which I will be continually working on. So thanks for being here. As always, I love bringing these conversations to you and um, I'm always up for wonderful suggestions if you have anyone you'd love me to interview or a topic that you'd like me to cover. So, you know, something like this today is quite different. I'm getting some really interesting people hit me up with different topics. So, um, yeah, I'd love to continually to do that. So please uh, drop me a line. I wish you all the best and have an awesome week ahead and looking forward to bringing you another exciting guest conversation next week. 